Hello and welcome to the AJ on the Line podcast. This is your Qatari Grand Prix review in which we will discuss another Lewis Hamilton domination. He hasn't given up on the title yet. A fight back from Max to minimize the damage. A return of El Matiador to the podium. And that's just the top three. My name is Adam Williams, I am your host, and as ever, we are joined by our good friends and F1 analysts, Joe and Jimmy. How was that Grand Prix? We'll start with you, Jimmy. Uh, it was a good Grand Prix. Um, I thought it would be not as exciting, because uh, I thought it would be quite difficult to overtake, especially with the long, high-speed corners. Uh, but I was quite surprised, there's quite a bit of action, especially down into Turn 1. And yeah, there's good battles, and uh, yeah... Lewis won again, which is always good news, right? Mm. Well, that that was the fear because it's a bike track, isn't it? That it's not necessarily a track made for for Formula One cars. However, Portimao wasn't bad. That's a bike track. Silverstone's been made for bikes. That wasn't bad a race. Uh, what else? We've got Mugello. That's a motorbike track. So, really, it turns out that you should design tracks for motorbikes. Because they're long, sweeping corners, and maybe that means that more racing can happen rather than off-camber, ninety-degree corners. I'm not pointing my finger at anyone in particular, Joe. <clears throat> You're pointing the finger at me. No, um, <laughs> I didn't design them. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was a really good track. Um, like it's, it's always fun to watch the cars go through those corners. It looked like a really good track to drive um and we got the bonus of it actually being you know pretty all right for racing as well so yeah it's it's a, only a shame that there's not going to be another Qatar Grand Prix at that racetrack because there's no there's no Qatar Grand Prix next year because there's some sporty event on there and then the following 10 years are going to probably be downtown in the streets aren't they so I suppose that sells better, uh, the dream that Qatar is a, a good, well-functioning country. But it means that the racing might not be as good as it was this year. Nevertheless, we had a race that was worth talking about. And it's still on in that title. Hamilton finished first. Max Verstappen minimised the damage. As I said, he came second and got the fastest lap extra points. So it's now eight points between Verstappen and Hamilton with two races to go. We'll get into that in a moment, but Jimmy, I want you to rate this Qatari Grand Prix first of all. Uh, I would probably give it a 7 out of 10. Um, It wasn't a sort of show-stopping race. It wasn't phenomenally exciting, you know, not like last week. Um, However, it was a good race. Um, As I said, quite a few overtakes. Um, And yeah, it's... uh, it gave some exciting racing, which was good. Do you think that it gets maybe one or two extra marks just because it surprised you that it was better than expected? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, definitely. And also uh, Lewis won, uh, which was as good good as well. I like that you don't hide it anymore. <laughs> no, I'm a proud Lewis fan. There you go. Joe, your face reveals to me that you're still going to remain a realist when it comes to ranking things out of 10. What's yours? I'd say a five. I think it was, you know, it was all right, wasn't it? Bang average race. Yeah, pretty bang average, you know. Nothing to set the world alight, but a pretty entertaining Sunday afternoon watch. But it's a Formula One race and we're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. for a reason. I mean, 
I mean, I'm rating it as a Formula One race. Which is pretty high anyway, because it's a Formula One race. Mm-hmm. We're not comparing it to other things. It's a five as a Formula One race. How does it compare to a chocolate brownie, though? Well, not all of us quite have your unbelievable obsession with chocolate brownies, <laughs> but... I personally, if you gave me the option, I would rather watch that race than eat a chocolate brownie. Weirdly, I'm the same because I'm slightly more obsessed with F1 than chocolate brownies. <laughs> it's only minimally, but I am. Um, How long is it until we get the AJ on the line chocolate brownie podcast? Oh, yeah. these things are in the works. I, I just, I just need some people to live up to the same level as you two. <laughs> Some people who can analyse brownies to the same as... <laughs> we'll move on. Because there are many things to move on to. But of course, we move on to the first thing on the agenda, and that is the biggest winner this weekend. Joe, we will begin with you. Who was your biggest winner? Um, I think uh, Alpine were probably the biggest winners this week. And I know I saw your little smirk there because I've stolen your idea. But... Um, but I think they I think they definitely were. I mean they were level on points with Alpha Tauri going into the race and coming out of it they're twenty five points ahead with two rounds to go and you wouldn't be surprised if Alpha Tauri didn't pick up twenty five points across those whole two races. So I mean it's a huge step towards uh, towards fifth um in the championship for Alpine. Um I think they'll do it now. Um so yeah. I think they were definitely the biggest winners this week. And I haven't even, you know, mentioned the fact that they got on the podium, which is huge for a team like that. Um, so, yeah, biggest winners for me. And Fernando Alonso, who got the podium, and Esteban Ocon, they work so well as, as teammates go, don't they? Whether that would still be the case if they were fighting for anything more substantial, I doubt it. But they are really good at working together. And once again... Alonso's podium came as a result of Esteban Ocon's hard work defending as much as he could. Uh, mm -hmm. He reckons that he, he saved three seconds from doing what he did, fighting mm -hmm. uh, with, with Checo Perez. And that gave Alonso the podium because Alonso had two seconds on Perez at the end. So yeah. it, it's quite remarkable that Alpine, that don't always get in the points. They were the best of the rest. They were the third quickest car that weekend quite quite comfortably. You could say that, especially with McLaren and Ferrari not really at the races. And Alpha Tauri, they did brilliantly in qualifying. Pierre Gassi started in second place after all the penalties and neither of them finished in the points. They just did not have the pace. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really, really strange because like, in qualifying, you thought, wow, you know, Gasly fourth, you know, pretty much on pace. Then somehow they had no pace. I think that was due to the fact that the circuit was front tyre limited as opposed to rear. And mm -hmm. that really impacts the Red Bull cars uh, and that philosophy much more than the Mercedes and clearly the Alpine. But let's not get bogged down by the technical stuff because that's slightly more boring um what is the case is for me and joe alpine are the biggest winners question is does jimmy agree with us uh no i don't um i think the biggest winner is actually uh lewis hamilton simply because he's closed the gap between max by six more points 
Um, the momentum is firmly with him at the moment, I think. Um, and I just think that this time, say three weeks ago, or before the triple header, this triple header, I would never have seen Hamilton being so close to to, Lewis, uh, to Verstappen. Um, and yeah, brilliant job by Lewis. I also have to say sort of a congratulations to Max as well, because that start was incredible. And, you know, as Lewis did in Mexico, you just have to finish second when you've not got the quicker car um, and you're not on form. Um, so I think we should give Max a special mention as well because it keeps him in there. Uh, he's still got the lead at the end of the day as well. So And Max also did well to get the fastest lap point, didn't he? He did, yeah. Every point counts in this season, so definitely. No, but you're, you're absolutely right that Lewis and Mercedes seem to have that momentum going into the final two races. It's almost as though hope of staying in the title race has turned into belief that they can win this title despite the fact that their, their car has not been at the at, at the level of Red Bull for a lot of the season. Um, yeah. Do, do you believe, Jimmy, that Lewis Hamilton has got this? Uh, potentially, yeah, because you look what Toto Wolf said at the end of uh, the race and he said, this is the best package we've got this season. So, and they didn't even have the fastest engine in, did they? No, which is just brilliant. I'll come to that later on. But um, but yeah, um, it's just incredible to think that um, the cars got better and better throughout the season and it's just come into its own in these final few races, hopefully. Okay, great shout, uh, Lewis Hamilton, as the biggest winner. But despite that, Alpine are this week's biggest winners because of democracy. And Joe and I have voted on the same side there. So good work, Joe. We'll move on to the biggest losers, and I'm going to start off by saying Christian Horner. Now, <laughs> I think Jimmy might enjoy this, part, and and we do we do joke around a bit, but I've kind of got fed up of Christian's whinging and moaning, and it it's reached a level where the FIA have now stepped in and given him an official warning uh, for calling uh, the, the one Stuart that put out a, a, a double wave yellow flag as a rogue Stuart. Um, those people are volunteering to protect Pierre Gazzi who stopped on the track and other marshals that could be on the track. So I think that's bang out of order. And the other thing that annoys me is that if he's and his team are really accusing Mercedes of having a dodgy rear wing, and by the way, the rear wing has passed all of the tests with flying colours other than that one bit of damage in Brazil. Uh, why has he not put a formal complaint into the FIA? Put put his money where his mouth is and if, if he really thinks that Mercedes are cheating then they should be found out and they or they should be stopped. But it seems that he doesn't really feel confident. Instead, he's quite happy to throw around shade and it's just a bitter way to go about uh, the championship. And I know tensions are high. These people have been on the same or in the same hotels in the same pit lane over the past three weeks. Um, so there must be a bit of cabin fever. There. But still, there's a, there's a way to go about it. And I don't like the way that Christian Horner's done it. I'll let you <laughs> say your piece, Jimmy, because I can see you're slightly itching. Um, do you have anything to add? No, I, I completely agree with you. Um, you know, it's all very well um, having a go at the Mercedes and all that sort of stuff. But he wasn't really complaining last week when they started last. The only thing that he complained about was that the Mercedes was too quick, which is just a ridiculous 
thing to to say. Um, and in regards to the stuff about the marshals, yeah, I mean the marshals do a brilliant job every every time. And you know, it's a really unhelpful comment, and I'm not sure why he made it. Uh, another comment that he made that I thought was quite funny. Um, he said that um, if if you're behaving like an call you an and I thought to myself, well, how does he find time to do the the team managing at Red Bull? Because he must call himself an quite a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, um, those are my thoughts on it. So that's why um, Christian Horner's not getting an award this week, but he's getting the sod off of the week. Um, Joe, who's your biggest loser? Um, opposite of the biggest winner, I'm going to go for Alpine's biggest rivals, Alpha Tauri. Um, looked like it was going to be a really close fight to the end for that fifth in the championship, but they all but lost it, barring a miracle sort of performance, which, you know, you wouldn't write Pierre, Gas- Pierre Gasly out of, to be fair. He could put something in. Um, but, yeah, it's just unfortunate for them, really. Um, they're going to lose out on a bit of funding. And, obviously, Pierre lost out quite big because, like, starting second would have been a really big opportunity and just absolutely nowhere in the race. It Dropped was just like it was really... Yeah, you like you start thought at the start of the race, um, you know, a couple of big guys starting further behind, you know, this is possible podium opportunity for him. But yeah, just driving backwards basically. So unfortunate for him. Um unfortunate for AlphaTauri as a whole. I mean, to be fair, should they even be in that fight? But like, you know, barring some absolutely stellar performances from Pierre Gasly all season. Um but yeah, looks like they've just sort of fallen at the final hurdle, really, and they're just going to not get it. Similar to McLaren, really, in that respect. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy, who who are your biggest losers? Um, my biggest loser um, is McLaren. Oh, there you are. Uh, before the uh, triple header, they looked in quite a good position. Uh, they're ahead of Ferrari. Um, and yeah, not a good three races, to be honest. And uh, the Cato was hardly a, a glowing success. I mean, Ricardo didn't make it into Q. Q3, unfortunately. Um, Norris had good pace during the race, uh, but then they had to pit him because of the, the puncture potential potentially happening. So um, he had to go into the pits, get his tyres changed, and then he ended up, I think, ninth or 10th. It was ninth, yeah. And he did well to score points from that puncture, really. He did, yeah. And on a day where Leclerc was out of the points as well, it's a shame uh, Norris couldn't capitalise on a bit more because they would have closed the gap. Not significantly, but still they, they would have closed the gap a bit. And it looks like that Ferrari have got the third place sealed, I would say. Uh, but having said that, it's Saudi next week or a couple of weeks' time. So that'll be good to see um, whether or not it'll be a, a low drag sort of track for McLaren um, to do well at. Well, we'll have more on Saudi later. It, it's hard to tell, really, who's mm-hmm. gonna, who's it, who it's going mm, to favour. But did you hear what happened with Daniel Ricciardo's race? I didn't, know. So there was an issue with the fuel-saving data, and he was constantly being told to save more and more fuel to the point that he was having to drive two seconds a lap slower than he, he could oh, wow. have done because the system kept on telling him to save fuel. And then they realised it was an issue. So in the last few laps, he was just told to absolutely rag it out. But by by that point, <sighs> it, it was too late. So he was unnecessarily saving fuel, which really, really cost him there. Um, he he was struggling anyway with the, with the car, wasn't he, compared to mm-hmm. Norris. 
Uh, real shame for McLaren, but I think they can be happy with fourth place because ultimately Ferrari are a bigger team with bigger budgets, so they are naturally going to end up ahead of them. So they, they've done well to be ahead for that much, and they've, of course, got that win in Monza to take away. Yeah. And there are two races left and anything could happen, so they could overtake Ferrari. Let's not write them off, but realistically, yeah, they're going to finish fourth. We've got a few different losers there. Um, we'll move on, though, because there were great moments as well, and we're going to talk about our moments of the weekend. Uh, let's start with you, Joe. I think it has to be... Uh the end for the seven-year wait for Fernando Alonso to get back on the podium um, where he really, really belongs because he is, you know, historically speaking, I'd say the second best driver on the grid now. He could easily be, you know, four or five-time world champion if, if he'd end up in the right machinery. So to see him get back to the top end of the grid where we want to see him, even at 40 years old, um, really good to see. Well, yeah, let's not forget that he was the one that finally toppled Michael Schumacher, the legend that is. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it could have so easily gone his way once or twice when he was at Ferrari as well. As yeah. You're absolutely right there. And he put in a good job in qualifying. You kind of wondered whether he was going to send it. If he had the chance, he would have popped out of the inside of Lewis Hamilton at the first oh, yeah. corner. But he was never going to win today. He did well to uh, take take the podium with Checo looming and Bottas might have been there if he hadn't had the puncher, but... Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it, was, it was obviously a you know, very specific set of circumstances, but a, a really good drive nonetheless, and he managed to make the one-stop work, which obviously... It was a Fernando Alonso-esque sort of podium, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But he, ma- he managed to make that one-stop work, which obviously went disastrously wrong for quite a few drivers. So, fair play to him. Absolutely. Great shout there. Um, we'll move to Jimmy for your moment of the weekend. So my, my moment of the weekend was after the race. It was about an hour after the race and Ted Kravitz and Sky News were in the paddock. Uh, Ted got his notebook out explaining what had happened with the uh, Christian Horner FIA scandal. And, scandal. Uh, he was, yeah. <laughs> and he was uh, reading out what Christian Horner had said and what Helmut Marko had said. Um, and then who walks along but Christian Horner and it was the most awkward meeting ever and you could tell that Christian Horner was quite angry and then uh, Ted said forgot his name there uh, <laughs> Ted said um, I better leave and uh, then he then uh, Ted says yeah I think that's a good idea and he just leaves and I just thought it was a bit of a funny funny thing encounter to that, that, that was quite an amusing moment Ted Kravitz he will always say, like Martin Brundle, he'll he'll put his reputation on the line because he's got such a good reputation that he can get away with that sort of thing. Um, so great shout there. Although that could that could have been line of the week. It shows that you've got some stuff lined up, Jimmy. My moment of the weekend has got to be that Lewis Hamilton pole lap, purple in all three sectors. What was he four and a half tenths up the road? 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely gorgeous. That is pure driving brilliance. If if I ever saw it, I, I was watching it just before going back back to work. Um, I'd had my lunch and I got to see that, and it was one of those laps that you're glad that you saw live. And you're thinking, God, how how's he getting even faster and faster and faster? Because he was struggling in practice, and all of a sudden he arrives and delivers like that. Still all good. Still incredible to watch. And like Jimmy alluded to earlier, he's still in this battle. We'll move on then, because it's time for our honourable mention. Jimmy, the floor is yours. My honourable mention this week is Alonso. Uh, as Joe mentioned, uh, it was great to see him on the podium. Um, and yeah, it's where he deserves. And I think it's the longest time between podiums ever in the history of F1. I think a hundred and... It was seven years, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, yeah. But also in race-wise, I think it's the longest. Uh, but yeah, it, he drove a, a brilliant race. Um, and I also would say um, Ocon did a brilliant job as well, trying to defend against Perez. He didn't really go to plan, but at least he put up a bit of a fight. And he almost got past him, uh, which would have been very impressive. Um, so yeah, Alonso for me, uh, honourable mention this week. Yeah, great shout, Jimmy. And... Yeah, El Matiador is back. Do you think that he's going to have multiple podiums next year? That's why he's come back, isn't it? Potentially, yeah. Who knows what's capable of that car next year with the changing in regulations. Might be a bit of a shuffling order in the midfield. You never know. A shuffling of the pack, like a good dealer. Right, we'll move on to my honourable mention, and that is Lance Stroll. He doesn't often... Well, shine, really. <laughs> that, that's harsh, isn't it? But it's true. Like He, he kind of goes about his business, doesn't smile that much, um, and does a fairly solid effort. He's not bad. He's not amazing. But he put in a pretty decent performance to come sixth place in an Aston Martin that hasn't always had the pace this year. So, yeah, he did a brilliant job. And I, I have no doubt that he'll have been happy with that. Maybe more than his, his face would suggest. But, but yeah, um, I think that he does deserve a shout out. And that is why we have this award. So a perfect opportunity to point out a sixth place by Lance Stroll. Joe? Um, I'm actually going to go with Lewis Hamilton. Um, because his performance this weekend sort of really reminded me of uh last year every time we go to a new track um like Mugello, Portimao, Qatar, Imola he always seems to just be a bit behind in those first two free practice sessions but he works out the perfect setup and you see him sort of really build and grow into the track and it just turns into a really dominant performance in the race and the, but the first time you really see his pace is sort of like in Q2 and you go, well, hang on a minute. Um, it always so yeah, catches just, us by surprise as well, even though he does it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he does, every, every time we go to a new track, it's always exactly the same format. Um, you know, Bottas and Verstappen get off to flyers, and then Lewis claws it back, finds the setup, pops in a lap in Q2 that makes you go, oh, hang on a minute, gets pole by about four tenths, and then drives off into the distance in the race. And it's just really. 
you know, reminded me of last year, and I think it shows sort of the the work he does to get the setup and and the whole of his like engineering team. So yeah, give them the honourable mention. Shout out Bono. Shout out Shove. Shout out Allison. Shout out Toto. Or as I saw in a Spanish <laughs> newspaper, some someone called Toto the nickname Toti Coyote, which I <laughs> I thought was rather amusing. <laughs> um. But yeah, and shout out Lewis Hamilton. Uh, all good honourable mentions, as ever, really. But we'll move on to an award that we all enjoy. The AJ on the line, line of the week. Jimmy, what's yours? My AJ on the line, line of the week, is uh, we will bring out the spicy equipment for Saudi. And who said that? This was Toto Wolf when he was talking to the guys at uh, Sky Sports F1. And apparently... That engine that he was using in Qatar was an old engine and not the powerful engine that he was so quick on the straights in uh, in Sao Paulo. So if that's the case, what a clever plan to say, you know, we've got a, a cracker of an engine and it's going to go in the car uh, in Saudi, which is the highest street, highest highest speed street circuit uh, on the calendar. Uh, and yeah. Just a great, great bit of uh, great bit of management, to be honest. Um, and what I also found that was funny was uh, when Christian Horner was talking to the guys at Sky Sports F1. Um, J- Jensen said, um, "Well, they've got the uh, the spicy engine in next week, Christian." And um, and Christian, he knows how to push his buttons. He does, yeah. And Christian was just saying how good and how um, reassuring it was that they were on a par with the the straight line speed of the Mercedes this weekend. So so uh, <clears throat> maybe not as uh, smug as he first thought. Um, some interesting lines coming out of the Mercedes camp regarding their engine and their performance in the next two races. Um, obviously, time will tell talk is cheap and the talking on the track will be what we all remember joe what was your aj on the line line of the week uh martin brundle um being told rather aggressively that he can't go speak to david beckham but we all know that doesn't usually stop him (laughs) i thought that was uh that was very good i mean there's been a lot of uh drama around Martin's grid walks recently um, and we love to see him standing up to the people that tell him what he can't do. Also, like, I also did like him just sort of very patiently waiting to speak to Fernando Alonso as well. Very, very patient about that. But yeah. It felt it felt like that grid walk, he was really struggling to get anyone and then his backup plan was, oh, well, I'll go and speak to Alan Prost then. Only a four-time <laughs> world champion. <laughs> if I have yeah. to. Pirlo was there as well, wasn't he? Yeah, they had all the footballers out. Um, like I say, there's some sort of event on next year in Qatar. Uh, yeah, I don't know what. Something to do with a, a, a goalposts and a football. Yeah. Come on, you're a about. football yeah. fan, Jimmy. Mm. Not quite, no. I mean, I change teams quite often, so... Uh. <laughs> at least you admit it <laughs> right my one uh, or my AJ on the line line of the week was also from Toto Wolf so he's certainly getting the prize this week and that was that they woke up the lion in Interlagos referring to Lewis Hamilton uh, 
I just particularly enjoyed that because Toto knows what he's doing there. He knows that Max Verstappen's nickname is the Lion, and he's he's saying that Lewis Hamilton is the Lion, um, and the Goat. So Max needs to go and get a new animal, is what Toto's suggesting there. And yeah, what's the what's the animal of the Netherlands? Is it a an lion. animal? Or is it a lion? Oh, there are a few lion-related lines this week because F- uh, Fernando told Esteban Ocon to defend like a lion. It's obviously uh, something that's going around. Toto Wolf, him, him and Christian Horner had their press conference together, didn't they, on on Friday between the two practice sessions, and it really is interesting seeing the the two leaders of their tribes, as Toto puts it, and it, it does feel quite tribal. The the most intense between two teams and two sets of fans we've ever seen in F1. What what could you even compare it to um, in all sport? Maybe kind of Manchester United Arsenal with Roy Keane and Patrick Vieira or, or that, that sort of ilk. What else could there be? Uh, England, Australia in the cricket. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they get a bit feisty. Yeah, they do. Do you remember when they came? I don't know if you remember, but last in 2019 when they came over for the Ashes series, there was the ball tampering scandal. Every oh, single course. match, they got booed um, everywhere they went. Even walking to the bus, they got booed. It's just, yeah. We are at the end of talking about the Qatar Grand Prix, but there are two races left. The next one is in two weeks' time, and that is the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. And my goodness... Have you seen the track layout? Like, like what it looks like? Mm-hmm. It looks like the the last sector of Baku, but faster, but for the whole lap. It's just high speed and walls. Mm-hmm. Absolutely crazy. So definitely don't miss this next Grand Prix in uh, Saudi Arabia. Um, <laughs> but Joe, what is your sensible prediction for the, the upcoming race there? I'm going to go... Bottas pole, Lewis win. Okay. So Bottas, is he going to let Lewis pass or is Bottas just not going to have a great race? Uh, I wouldn't say, I'm not going to say let pass, I'm going to say Lewis is going to beat him on pace, but obviously he's not going to overtake him. You know, Bottas won't defend the position, but, but Lewis will get past Bottas and win the race. Maybe in the pit stops. Not necessarily. I think Lewis will be just faster in the race, and just one time I'll just breeze past him on the straight. Jimmy, what's your prediction? So my my sensible prediction is a Lewis Hamilton win. Keep the championship alive, yeah. Indeed, neck and neck going into the last race of the season. How exciting would that be? And that's the thing that you need to remember for this race. Verstappen could win the title. He could, yeah. Really. Yeah, because yeah, there's obviously only two races to go. and if, if Verstappen wins and gets the fastest lap and Hamilton is sixth or lower, Verstappen mm. is champion. Wow, Gosh, I didn't realise that. The crucial thing is that Mercedes, they, they've got to hope that their spicy equipment is not just spicy, but reliable. Yeah. Mm. That's your sensible prediction then that Lewis Hamilton's going to win the race, yeah? Yes, yeah. The, the other thing piece of analysis I would say as well is that um, potentially you could have another sort of uh, US Grand Prix scenario where there is um, the high speed corners and Mercedes doesn't quite work as well because they've got that clever thing on their suspension um, so potentially that's something to watch for the, the next race as well. Sorry I didn't quite understand that. So yeah do you know the Mercedes suspension 
it the way it drops out it drops down to reduce drag yeah yeah? they don't want that happening in the high speed corners particularly uh, because that might make them a bit slower and there's a section that's quite high speed sort of corners so it might be a bit difficult to Qatar was high speed corners true yeah I mean yeah I mean like sort of like cops maggots beckets that sort of thing in the US Grand Prix do you know the first sector hmm those sort of really fast corners yeah I do know so yeah, that that is something to watch out for. I've I've said Lewis Hamilton on pole is my sensible prediction. It's fairly boring, but my bold my banzai prediction is that at least five cars will crash out of the race. Mm-hmm. The walls are close. I don't think it's even that banzai. <laughs> it's it's going to cause incidents. I can see red flags happening. It's it's going to be Baku on steroids, Joe. What's your Banzai prediction? I'm going to go, I'm not sure, but Ferrari double podium because they were really, really, really good round Baku. But this does look a bit, you know, straighter. But there we go. I'm going for it. You're saying those cars are going to crash out as well. So, yeah, I'm going Ferrari double podium. Who are the most likely cars to crash? Probably a Haas. I can see. Yuki Sonoda. Yes, you're right. Um, Sorry, Yuki. Latifi. Um, yeah. Sebastian Vettel could finish on the podium like in Baku. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else is liable to crash? They're all very good drivers. Anyone could crash, really. Yeah. Jimmy, what is your Banzai prediction for the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix? My Banzai prediction is that there'll be a McLaren double podium. Oh, so you two are really disagreeing there. Yeah. that's That would really turn around the, the McLaren-Ferrari battle, I, I'd imagine, unless a Ferrari yeah. won. Oh, well. Which mm. begs the question, yeah. what happened to the leaders? Safety. There could well be, like, safety car madness. There certainly mm. could. Well, is the track ready? Because there has been the occasional well, yeah. murmur. I was yeah. thinking, I was thinking, like your sensible prediction, the track won't be ready or something. And yeah, because they're still building it, isn't it? Aren't they? Yeah, they've got they've got two weeks to finish it. Yeah, and we know what happened last time a track was rushedly put together. Turkey. Mm. I was speaking yeah. to someone from Turkey the other day, and and she was saying how it was quite embarrassing for the Turks that that the cars weren't able to go at top speed. And I said, well, I wouldn't be too embarrassed. It was probably one of the best races ever. And that will be linked mm. to Turkey. So don't feel too bad. Although I, I think the Saudis would be embarrassed if they didn't have a, yeah. a race circuit ready for a Grand Prix. Turn it into Rallycross instead. That would favour Max Verstappen. I, I can imagine Red Bull flying out some people to Saudi Arabia just to slow the job up. Like... I don't know. Um, Insulate Britain. Lie them on the, the race track. That'll sort it out. <laughs> something like that. Uh, although I'm, I'm not sure that would be as comfortable in a desert. No. So, what is for sure is no one really knows what's going to happen at this next Grand Prix in Saudi Arabia. But what we do know is it's going to be tight in this championship. And that's what we want. It would be wrong, really, for the championship to be decided in Saudi Arabia because it deserves to go to the final race so thank you very much for listening and thank you to Joe and Jimmy for your insight as ever for more content uh, head over to ajontheline.com 
follow me on Instagram at AdamJW44 and Twitter at AJ underscore on the underscore line. And whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or anywhere else, please do leave us a rating, a review or whatever else you can do to show your appreciation for the show. We do appreciate you um, listening. I appreciate you coming up to us and telling us you listen to it. Um, and tell us also through our various social channels who wins in Saudi Arabia. For now, thank you. See you in Jeddah.